Our scripture passage today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, beginning in verse 4. Hear God's holy and authoritative word. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak in, on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you, and all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The grass withers and the flower fades. Amen. You may be seated. As we come to God's word, we need his help, so let us begin with a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for giving us your spirit, the helper, that we might understand it, that it might change us. Lord, we pray that you would give us your spirit today, that it would illuminate your word to our hearts that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, we're continuing in our Gospel of John series. I want to just pick up from last week's passage where we ended, and that was that Jesus was talking about two witnesses. There were going to be two witnesses, the Spirit and the disciples. The Spirit and the disciples, the Helper, and those who had followed Jesus from the beginning. Now, these aren't two witnesses that are separated from each other, but instead will be working in tandem. And Jesus is giving us some insight into what that is going to look like. The work of the Spirit and what he is going to do in the world and what he is going to provide for the disciples as they are his witnesses. The big idea of our passage today, the the main point is that Jesus is going to send the Spirit. He's already said much of what he started out here with, that it is better for him to go away. It is better for Jesus to not be with his disciples. Why? Because he is going to send the Holy Spirit, the one who is going to help them, who is going to lead them into all truth. It's difficult for us to grasp that concept. We talked about it in previous weeks, but to think of these disciples who are in despair, whose hearts are filled with sorrow because Jesus is leaving them and he is convincing them, trying to convince them through these words to comfort them that it is actually better for him to leave. That it is better for the Holy Spirit to come. That what they will experience next is even greater than the three years they have spent 
next to Jesus himself, sitting down at a table celebrating the Passover with him, having him wash their feet. It is going to be better than that. The reality is that we all need the Holy Spirit's help. What they've experienced now is only a foretaste of what is going to happen as the new covenant is being ushered in. Jesus came to accomplish many things, but what he's pointing to his disciples here is that he has come to usher in the age of the Holy Spirit. And we, too, need the Holy Spirit to do the work that he is promising his disciples because we need it just as much as they did. But he tells us in this passage that the Spirit is going to do two things. These are going to be our two points today. First, he is going to convict the world. We're told in verse 8, convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And down in verse 13, he is going to guide the disciples into all truth. The disciples need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must come, and he is going to convict the world and guide the disciples. First, he is going to convict the world. Before we get too far into the details of what it means that uh, the Holy Spirit is going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's nice that Jesus gives us a little bit of explanation to those things, but we want to stop for a second, and once in a while there's a word that we have in our English language that doesn't quite carry all of the weight that we need it to in order to fully understand what's going on in a passage, and that's what we have in our passage today, this word convict. I think if we polled everybody here, we'd probably get two different definitions of convict. They're, they're related, but one of us uh, might think, you know, like being convicted of sin. We have a conviction uh, about something. Or if you have a more legal mindset, although it's not different than that, it's that a judge might convict you of a crime. And indeed, that's part of what's going on here, that the Holy Spirit is bearing witness like in a law court. But this word carries a lot more freight than merely a conviction. Here's just a list of some of the glosses. It is that the Holy Spirit is going to expose the world. It is going to put to shame the world. It is going to treat with contempt the world, accuse the world, cross-examine the world, Prove a case against the world. Refute the world. All of this imagery, right? Those are related things, but they have more nuances to what it means that the Holy Spirit is going to do in the world as it relates to sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's going to expose these things and put them to shame and show us what it truly is like to reveal through its witness the way in which the world has failed. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. This might be a passage you're familiar with. That threefold conviction. We're told in verse 9, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. The Holy Spirit is going to convict, expose, put to shame the world concerning sin. It 
So that idea of being convicted of our sin is right. This is the work of the Spirit in the hearts of people in the world, that he will bring the witness of what Jesus has said and done, and it will cause people to be convinced of the ways in which they've sinned. It's interesting that the primary sin here that Jesus points out in his explanation of all the things that we can think about in our world of the most heinous acts of sin. Murder. Thieves. Abuse. Things maybe we've even experienced in our own lives that are so painful. Adultery. And yet Jesus says the primary sin, the greatest sin that the world has committed is that they do not believe in him. There is no greater sin that you and I can commit than to stop believing in Jesus. To hear the words he spoke and to brush them aside. To see the things he did like those at the time when Jesus is speaking and to reject him. This is the cardinal sin that the Holy Spirit is coming to address. We see this in particular as the Holy Spirit is eventually poured out in the book of Acts, chapter 2. And Peter stands up and he proclaims this great sermon to all of the Jews who had gathered there for the Feast of Pentecost. And he begins in his sermon telling him about all of the promises of the Old Testament and how God had promised these things to come in the last days. He says this, beginning in verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. The Holy Spirit coming down in Pentecost, bearing witness to Jesus. Peter bringing this charge against the people who heard what Jesus said, saw what Jesus did. And instead of believing, they crucified him. He goes on at the end of his sermon to say this, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. 
The first act of the Holy Spirit being poured out is convicting the world, those who saw and heard Jesus and yet did not believe in him. And this is why it is greater that Jesus had left. They would not listen to him. But the Spirit is coming to bring conviction, to change their hearts, to reveal to them, to expose their sin of unbelief. And it causes them to be cut to the heart and to cry out, what shall we do? When we think of our own lives and our own sin and all of the people in our lives that we want to come to know the Lord, we must realize and confess that this is only an act of God's miraculous spirit working in their hearts. It is a miracle that you believe in him. It is a miracle that anybody believes in him, is willing to confess our sins and turn to him. Concerning righteousness. The Holy Spirit is going to convict the world concerning righteousness because Jesus is going to the Father. It's not immediately apparent what that means. Think about the righteousness of the people at the time when Jesus was ministering. Following the law meticulously, trusting in themselves to earn a standing in the temple and before God. Who from their own mouths declared that Jesus was wrong and was leading the people astray. Jesus has been vindicated from those accusations and has been proven to be the righteous one who actually does go to the Father, who not just dies and rises again, but now ascends into heaven and is seated at the Father's right hand and is given all dominion and power and glory. The Holy Spirit is revealing, exposing, putting to shame this false idea of righteousness in the world. That we can do good things to be let into heaven. That Jesus was a false teacher leading the people astray. No, instead the Spirit is bearing testimony and witness to his perfect righteousness. The work of the Spirit must convict us of our sin and cause us to turn to Jesus, but part of that process is also realizing that our own righteousness is worthless. It is the message that Jesus always spoke to the people, calling out their hypocrisy. And so the the work of the Spirit in many ways is a continuation of the ministry that Jesus had been doing. Spirit convicts us of our false righteousness and also reveals to us the only righteous one who has gone to the Father. 
concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit exposes the judgment, the false judgment of the world against Jesus. He is undoing the most unjust act in the history of the world. The ruler of this world, Satan himself, seeing Jesus crucified on a cross, ought to have thought to himself in the moment you can imagine would be victory. And yet it is through that judgment, through Christ's overcoming death itself, that true judgment was revealed and established. Those things that were said about him, the, the things he suffered in judgment for others unjustly, the Holy Spirit is revealing and instead pointing us to the only one who is righteous and able to judge justly. Notice at this point, as Jesus is promising them the Holy Spirit, that they aren't involved. That this is something the Holy Spirit is doing uh, unilaterally, right? Convicting people of their sin and unrighteousness and false judgments, pointing them to Christ. He's giving them a look behind the curtain of how God is at work drawing people to his Son. He has many other things to say to them, which he will go on to tell them, especially after he has risen from the dead when he has many days together with them. But he also gives them this comfort that the Spirit will enable them. Not only is the Spirit the one who is coming to convict the world as this independent witness, but also that he will be working in and through them and their words, like the words that Peter spoke at Pentecost. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. We can be confused a bit by some of what's being said here and think that the Spirit is going to give them some additional revelation. And it could be argued that particularly in the book of Revelation, John got some new information about what was to come. But if you remember back just a few weeks ago, Jesus had promised them that the Holy Spirit was going to come and it was going to remind them of everything that he said. And just as Jesus has always been talking to his disciples and they have continued to not understand, the Holy Spirit is going to lead them into the truth. Not speaking necessarily new things to them, but revealing to them the significance of the things that have already been said. In fact, even in John's Gospel, many times something will happen and it says, and the disciples remembered after Jesus rose from the dead that he said this. 
Even this gospel written down for us to read. John is not standing there with a pen and paper writing everything down. We believe that the scriptures were given to us by men who were led by the Holy Spirit. Second Peter chapter 1 says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That it was after Jesus had left and the Holy Spirit had come, these very men would be reminded of everything that Jesus said and did, and not only reminded of what he said, but why it mattered. To push into their hearts the implication and the application of all that Jesus did. To bring to mind all of the connections in the Old Testament that they later quote in their Gospels and in their letters. To be able to write to churches who are full of sinful people and divisions and apply the things that Jesus said and did to their circumstances. Jesus had been answering their questions day after day. They are full of sorrow and they are concerned that their teacher is leaving them. Who is going to answer all of our questions? Explain to us what's going to happen. Why is this happening? And the answer is that the Holy Spirit will take on this role. He will come and he will fill the disciples as they bear witness about him, bringing to mind all that he said, showing them how to apply it and all the implications that flow from it. And ultimately, this all boils down to verse 14. The work of the Spirit is this, that he will glorify Jesus. He will glorify Jesus. His witness against sin and against righteousness and against judgment is all to point people to Jesus. His leading the disciples into further truth is that they might glorify Jesus. The work of the Holy Spirit is to bring him glory. And we see in these passages, these past few weeks, this interplay between the three persons in the Godhead. If there was ever a section of Scripture that you wanted to go to to understand the workings of the Trinity, it is John's Gospel here and through chapter 17. That the Son is going to the Father and has received from the Father all that he speaks. And the Spirit comes from the Father and the Son. And everything that the Son speaks to the Spirit, he speaks to the disciples. And that the Spirit bears witness to bring Christ's glory. And that is, Christ is glorified, the Father is glorified. Well, this is all fine and dandy for the disciples as they are the ones who are going to be writing down Scripture, needing to be reminded of what Jesus said because they were there to hear it. But what relevance is this for us? Should we be those who are expected to follow in the same line as the disciples? Well, of course, the answer to that is yes and no. 
No, in the sense that we weren't with Jesus from the beginning, hearing all that he said and doing this apostolic work of bearing witness here in the first century and writing down Holy Scripture. But the work of the Spirit continues on. And these promises aren't merely for the disciples. If we want to know more about Christ, if we want to know more truth, if we want things to happen in our lives and in the lives of those around us, we need the Spirit's help. We live in a time in which we have more information than we know what to do with, more resources than we have time to read, and yet those things by themselves are of no help to us. Some of the most brilliant New Testament scholars and Greek exegetes, they don't believe a word of what it says. What we need, our greatest need, as those who follow after Jesus, is the work of the Holy Spirit. He is the only one that can truly convict us and expose our sin, our unrighteousness, the ways in which we've judged wrongly. He is the only one that can lead us into truth, who can reveal his word to us in a way that changes us that points us more and more to Christ and brings him glory. We cannot glorify God apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in our midst. May we be people who start our day in dependence, not striving in our own sense of righteousness and ability to judge and feeling like we've got our sin under control. But may we seek the Spirit to convict us where we need to be convicted and to guide us where we need to go, confessing that we cannot do it apart from his help. He he is told to us here as the helper, can think of nothing more helpful for Jesus to do than to send us his spirit to help us to do the work in our hearts and in the hearts of those around us that's why we pray for those who are suffering and for the church around the world and for those who do not yet believe because we cannot do anything about it in our own strength unless the spirit is at work And we can read all sorts of helpful books and understand all sorts of historical context. But we will not grow in our love and glory of Christ unless the Spirit does that work. May we be people who live by the work of the Spirit. May we be people filled with the Spirit. And may we follow Him where He leads, submitting to His conviction and his guidance. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you have given us your spirit to guide us into all truth, to give us hope for those who are dead in sin. We thank you for doing the miraculous work in our own lives that we would even believe ourselves. Help us to lead 
lives that are dependent on his work in our lives. Show us the need we have for him. And may we be people who follow closely. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.